Welcome to the Vital Life Podcast. This is Dr. Sherry Rayleigh. Here we talk about health, home, family, and food, empowering you with the knowledge and skills to live a truly vital life. Welcome to the Vital Life Podcast. This is Dr. Sherry Rayleigh, and this week we are talking about home and specifically homesteading. I have the amazing Amanda Dornkamp. She is the happy homestead here, and I want to give her a little introduction. Welcome, Amanda. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so glad you're here. Um, So I actually met Amanda's husband years ago when I was initially opening my chiropractic practice. Her husband works at one of the local high schools. And works with the sports teams and we were, yeah, I was networking and meeting, you know, different local community folks and met with him and, you know, had a a conversation and learned about um, him and what he does in his school and everything. And so long story short, we, um, you know, have built a friendship over the years. And as I got into homesteading more recently, I, you know, I knew Amanda was into it. I didn't know how much into it until, (laughs) until I stopped her one day and I stopped your YouTube and I watched her YouTube videos and then, you know, saw all the things she had and all the information. I was her fangirl, but, and she didn't know it. (laughs) (laughs) I went through and watched like a ton of her YouTube videos. And, you know, I had one of those moments that I was like, my friend is famous. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. <laughs> and so Amanda is a unbelievable wealth of knowledge. And so I want to go ask you some questions today about homesteading and where you learned what you learned and then also lead people in your direction because you have been doing this. I don't know how long you've been doing this. I'll ask you that in a second. But you've learned so much and you've taught me so much and I would love to um I want our listeners to learn from you too so that is so so sweet and and kind and so thank you I mean I gosh I don't even know how to respond to that introduction (laughs) (laughs) well I'm your fangirl so (laughs) (laughs) so you are the happy homestead on YouTube Right. Yep. And tell me, tell me how, how did this homesteading thing get started for you? It's funny because I don't actually, I don't actually know when it started. It's always just kind of been a part of me. But when I say that, I didn't really know what it meant. Right. Mm -hmm. So I had always been gardening. I mean, even when I was in high school, my mother would, would have flower gardens. And I'm like, why, 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 why are you not growing a tomato? <laughs> like, I don't understand. <laughs> and then um, when I moved out on my own after college, like the first thing I did was get plants to grow, whether I was in my apartment or, you know, a condo of some sort, I always had plants and I always wanted to cook food that was that was kind of ingrained in me too and I even I think started to try to learn canning back in my 20s which was an epic fail and I gave up (laughs) but I don't actually to answer your question I don't think there was ever a beginning it's so it's funny to say that there's no definitive beginning for me 
even though someday there will be a definitive end. <laughs> but there was no beginning as far as I can remember. I do remember though, during COVID, like, you know, when we were on lockdown and we couldn't really do much of anything. Yeah. I remember going for walks in our neighborhood and, and I was listening to podcasts and, and uh, other homesteaders. And I remember thinking, oh my goodness, that that's what that is like I didn't even know that had a name (laughs) (laughs) so it wasn't until like about four years ago that I realized this was a thing and other people were doing it too yep so what is for listeners who are just just learning about this what is homesteading Hmm. it's it's such a great question and it has so many different broad answers but for me it's caring for your home caring for people in your home and I guess doing things at home, right? Like not when I'm, what I mean by that is not relying on outside sources. So, you know, as much as you can, as much as anyone can grow something, grow some food, grow some medicinal herbs, or go to your local farmer's market and get your food and preserve it, right? Preserve your food, um, all kinds of things at home. I mean, it, it can, it can go into so many different realms with like homeschooling and home birth and, and having animals on your property. Right. But it's really, to me, ultimately caring for your home and having pride in that and not in a proud way, but also caring for the people in it, in your home. That's really, really powerful. And I think that's, that helps bring it to a level where people can recognize that anyone can be a homesteader. Absolutely. Um, It doesn't matter where you are in your journey. And then everyone, everyone's journeys have been different, right? So someone who maybe is on 50 acres they haven't been on 50 acres their whole life, most likely, right? So everyone's journey has had these ebbs and flows in different places. And it doesn't matter where a person is. Homesteading is a state of mind and it can be done anywhere. That's awesome. Well, and it's, and it's a progression, right? Like you're, mm, yeah. we're, you're always learning and, and jumping into things. I mean, I really became passionate about it uh, probably a year and a half ago. And decided, hey, I'm going to start a garden because I want to. I kind of did it selfishly because as a mom of three little kids, I needed something that was for me. Right. right. <laughs> you know, I, I work full time. I'm raising three kids and I love I love them and I love my family, but I was doing nothing for me. Mm-hmm. And I realized, like, I think I need a hobby. And, <laughs> you know, and I love being outside. And so, and I know this is, and like, to me, I can't just have a hobby that's not a productive like thing. I have to right. be productive. Maybe I need to work on that. I don't know. I'm the same but, way. <laughs> <laughs> but to me, I'm like, okay, I can grow a garden. I can be outside and I can, you know, and then, and then I can hopefully teach my kids some of these skills and it's doing something that I love. And so that kind of birthed my whole homesteading. But it's funny because when you, when you open this little can of worms here, it, it jumps, you know, you can't just have a garden because now I have 300 tomatoes. What am I going to do with my 300 tomatoes? Right. <laughs> and so it like turns into this whole like lifestyle and, and it's, and it's a journey of a lifestyle. And, and so 
I think it's really, it's really fun to talk about everyone's journey because everyone's journey is a little bit different. Um, so I know you, you know, I, I, like I said, I'm your fangirl. So on your YouTube channel, you have how many different like sections or topics? I think, you know, you go over canning and gardening and, you know, preserving food and, um, you know, fermenting things. So, you know, tell, tell me more about your journey and how you went from, you know, growing tomatoes in your in your first apartment to right. like where you're at today. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think it started with, you know, those couple of little small plants and herbs on the balconies of the apartments, but you know, no matter where a person is, and this is how this is true for me is food is kind of ubiquitous, right? And in the kitchen, everyone has got a kitchen, whether you have roommates and you're sharing, sharing a living space, or if you have your own. And so I think starting in the kitchen is one of the, the best places to start. It's kind of where I started too, because again, no matter where you are, no matter what kind of living situation you're in, there's most likely a kitchen <laughs> nearby. <laughs> and so being able to um, start with really just cooking, um, you know, you might start with cooking things semi-scratch. I remember, you know, there was a show on the Food Network, like semi-homemade. Like you might start with something like that. Um, and then eventually, you know, kind of like what you said, things morph, they transform. And then you'll start thinking, well, gosh, maybe maybe I don't want to buy a packaged product. Why don't I try to make this from scratch? And so I think starting in the kitchen is one of the best and most universal ways to start, kind of like just begin something, understanding what's in your food, what makes up certain types of dishes and meals and how they make you feel. I think so many people are really unaware and possibly even numb to understanding how their food affects them um, yeah. until they actually kind of detox from the standard American diet. And then they can understand how good they really can feel <laughs> and how good food can actually be. And so I think starting there and then you start thinking, well, gosh, now I want the freshest tomatoes. So let me go grow my own. And so it does kind of totally morph in that way. And like you said, once you're, once you're growing things and you're like, oh my goodness, I have 35 cucumbers. What do <laughs> I do? <laughs> you start thinking, well, I like pickles. So yep. let's make some pickles. So yeah, it just kind of, it's a domino effect for sure. And I think it's really, really the most gratifying type of journey in that way. It, and Absolutely. it gives, it gives people so much gosh, self-confidence, self-worth, right? There's just so much that can come from it. It's, it's beyond food. Well, I, I mentioned in one of my earlier podcasts about the garden and, you know, the tomatoes and how I had a ton of tomatoes and then I made all the salsa <laughs> and how, you know, I made a joke. I mean, but it's a serious joke that like I'm salsa self-sufficient <laughs> because <laughs> I made enough for a whole year. Um, I might not even use it all, to be honest. I'm not going through it as fast as I... Yeah. As I thought, but you know, there's, I, I'm not kidding. Every time I pop open another jar of salsa and I know that those tomatoes came from my backyard, I knew what, I know I didn't spray any junk on them. Right. You know, I knew they were fresh and grown organically. 
And when I pop open that jar of salsa, like the sense of pride is there. I mean, mm-hmm. in, a, in a healthy way, I'm right. so thankful and so happy. Like I did this, you know, there is and- so much power in that accomplishment. There really is. And it should never be diminished. Mm-mm. Yeah. No. And it does, it does morph. I think, like you said, into different things and, you know, there's there's definitely like a, a sourdough movement going through um through the whole country i think it seems like everybody's interested in that now but that's a that's a you know a, a homesteading thing right making your own bread right um, absolutely cuz you do that as well right i do i do we haven't I say we, you know, my husband every now and then will come home with like a loaf of Dave's, <laughs> Dave's bread. <laughs> but no, for the most part, we have not purchased bread products. I'm going to say in a good two years, um, a wow. minimum of like 22 to 24 months. And I never in my life would have thought I'd been able to say that because yeah. why would I have wanted to like, why would I have wanted to say that? And then mm-hmm. who would have thought I'd have the ability Right. But it's, it's not as, as you know, it's, it's not as hard as you think, right. It just takes time and practice and determination. Absolutely. And I have to tell you a story here because people think like, why do you, why does it matter? Why does it matter that you don't buy bread products, but our bread products in the store are full of chemicals. If you look at a bag of like a, a loaf of bread, there's, I don't even know, 20 plus ingredients. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sourdough is salt, water, starter, which is just flour and water. And, you know, flour, right? Right, exactly. I mean, so, but the story I want to tell you is I bought the kids these like pita things. (laughs) And because, you know, I'm trying to get them to try different things and try different. So I bought these little pita shell things and, they ended up in the back of my pantry and I forgot about them. And literally six months later, I found it and I opened the pack. I looked at the package. It was not moldy. It, oh looked, it looked exactly like it did when I bought it. Oh my goodness. And I, and I opened it cause I was like, no way. Right. And they felt exactly the same. They looked exactly the same. And there was nothing I could have served them to the children. Obviously I did not, but right. I could have served them for dinner and it really hit me and I'm like, oh, here I am trying to, you know, expand the kids' palates and try new things. And I don't even know what Franken food I was trying to feed my kids. Mm, well, yeah. Mean, <laughs> you know, but we you, that's where like people have to give themselves grace. No, you're right. You're right. And so when you have those realizations, like it's really important to think about that because if they sat in the back of your pantry for that long, think about how long they could be sitting on a store shelf and nobody would be the wiser. No, no. And you know, you think about your body and if mold doesn't recognize it and doesn't Mm. want to eat it, you know, why would my body or my kids' bodies want to eat that food? That's so true. That's a really good analogy. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever seen ants on like a lollipop? on the ground or like yeah. real like you know like if there's an artificial sweetener something on the ground versus like a real sugar product or honey or something yeah. then the ants will like completely avoid the artificial 
chemical stuff and go right for the real thing. Right. And so it's like, I always think back to that. I saw that like a picture of that once. And I think back to that, like, yeah, we just eat this stuff because we think it's better for us or we're told it's better for us. Mm -hmm. And we trust all of the, the big food, big everything. We trust it. And, and I, and again, I don't think that's a, a fault of anybody. We've all grown up that way. Like no one is immune to that, No. but it's up to everyone to take their own kind of responsibility to peel the curtain back mm-hmm. and um, think for themselves. And I always say, when you know better, you can do better. That's right. But if you That's didn't right. know any better, you can't give yourself, you know, gr- you know, grief because you just didn't know any better. Right. Right. <clears throat> so how did you go from starting in your kitchen and all of that? How did you go from that to knowing how to can and pressure can and ferment? And, you know, tell me more. I want to hear more of your story. I have this unquenchable thirst for knowledge. Um, it's always just been part of my DNA. I love learning new things. So I'm kind of like the jack of all trade. I'm not an expert in anything, <laughs> but I know a little bit of, about a lot. Um, as far as canning, I would say, you know, I, I had cookbooks, but I would say actually watching a lot of videos, like even YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was a really good way for me to learn. And probably about eight or nine years ago now, there was this woman um, here in our area. I don't even know how I met her, but I went to her house one day and she canned up probably 40 quarts of tomatoes. And I was with her in her kitchen and helped and learned just me and her. Yeah. It was so random (laughs) (laughs) to think back on it. But I think that really like lit a fire under me and, and from that point forward right I got books and I would watch more videos and and really just trying it it you know the the water bath or the steam canning I actually think that is uh it's not as daunting or as scary as people may think right once you kind of understand the mechanics of it and then once you have comfort with that then you kind of go into the pressure canning which does require a little bit more confidence and um carefulness but fermenting, uh, cheese making, all of the canning, the sourdough, right? All of it is just trial and error. Um, A lot of reading and certainly kind of watching some videos of people that I trust. Mm -hmm. And your videos are even better because they're (laughs) no. And that's why I started the YouTube because, well, I guess two reasons. Selfishly, it's my creative outlet. I have to have a creative, creative outlet in my, in my life. Kind of like what you said for your garden, something for you. Um, and so I did it because it, it fulfilled that for me, but I also, secondly, I just, I want to share so that I can spark that inspiration or that fire in other people's bellies too, just like it did for me. That's awesome. That's so powerful. So Tell me, like, what would you suggest for someone who wants to jump in? Like, would you say, like, start with, um, you know, like steam, steam canning or water bath canning? Or would you say, you know, first just grow your tomatoes or, 
you know, what what progression would you say is a a good progression to follow in this world? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. I think number one, start where you are. So, you know, think about where you are. Are you in an apartment? Um, Maybe you're not able to grow food, but maybe there's a community garden nearby and you're really interested in gardening and you can get involved in that. Um, Or maybe you have the gardening down, but it's the preserving you want to do, right? So I really think it's a a self-evaluation to see where you are and where you want to go. Um, if, if someone is not interested in jams and jellies, and that is not something they buy, then goodness sakes, do not go can 10 quarts or, you know, not quarts, but 10 pints of jam. <laughs> Just, so you have to think about where you are and what are your goals? Like, what do you want to do? So I really think for someone who's just beginning and gardening does pique their interest and kind of speak to their soul. I would say, you know, start with whatever you can do, whether it's herbs and and plants and pots Mm -hmm. or, you know, like the community garden. Like I said, I I did a community garden way before I had a garden and it was one of the most valuable experiences. Um, Half of what I grew, I got to keep and half of what I grew, uh, we donated to the local food bank. And so that was really eye opening, too, because I, I learned from everyone else around me. Mm-hmm. But I would say if cooking is your thing, right, then maybe start there. Um, go into the progression of, you know, maybe you start want to start making your own bread or maybe you want to start making your meals more from scratch. You know, another thing that I've been doing and I have a whole series on YouTube is salad dressings. Mm. If you look at salad dressings in the grocery store, like they are atrocious. They really are. <laughs> Even if you think you're buying the best and most healthiest one, they are atrocious. Yeah. Um, and so like simple things like that, like making your own salad dressing and not ever buying that again. Right. So uh, to answer the question, right, it's really thinking about where you are and mm-hmm. where you want to go and what's important to you. Well, it's so funny you mentioned, like, if you're not someone who eats jam, don't make a bunch. Um, <laughs> yeah, I totally made that mistake. <laughs> Everyone does, Sherry. Everyone <laughs> I got so excited because I figured, right. I, you know, I like jumped in and did this. I got a steam canner and it was, it was strawberry season. And I went back to the strawberry field like three times <laughs> to get more strawberries because I was like, this is awesome. I think, I think I canned up like, 15 or 16 <laughs> uh, pints of strawberry jam and then I did blueberry jam yeah and we we literally have eaten like four since yeah <laughs> right everyone goes trying. through that progression it's so normal and it's hilarious and you will find more ways to use that jam than ever before in your life <laughs> oh yeah I'm like getting creative they were they made some great gifts at Christmas time yes yeah. <laughs> So like swimming in pickles because you know yeah. cucumbers were just coming out my ears and so <laughs> I'm swimming in pickles and jam guys I don't know <laughs> <laughs> well we have about you know I was just telling my family last night because I'm trying to to get more fermented foods into literally every meal we eat mm-hmm. and I've got about two gallons worth of sauerkraut <laughs> 
in our spare refrigerator in the garage. And I've probably got about two gallons of fermented pickles too. And I'm like, guys, we need to start eating this. We got to eat more pickles. You need some probiotics. (laughs) I love it. So on that note, let's, can we talk a little bit about homesteading tools? Because I think that's something that people think they don't have the things. I don't have a steam canner. I don't have, uh, you know, things in, in what tools are, you know, great places to start. If you're going to say buy a handful of things to make, to use on your homestead, what would you suggest? Mm -hmm. Yeah, again. Okay. So if we're going to talk about like the kitchen and the food stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, definitely, I'm going to go basic here, like a really good knife that you feel comfortable with. <laughs> uh-huh. um, you know, there's a lot of basic things. You want to make sure you have good pots and pans. And by that, you know, I live and die by cast iron. Mm-hmm. Uh, as well as enameled cast iron, like Dutch ovens and stainless steel, like all clad stainless steel pans, Mm -hmm. you know, so I would probably start there, like invest in one or two really good, useful pieces that will last you for most likely the rest of your life. You'll never have to replace it because once you actually start getting rid of the the toxic, nasty Teflon, all even Cathalon, like all those coated things, you'll notice a difference there too. So I would say start with investing in a good knife and then, you know, a cast iron or stainless steel pan, something that can be used in a variety of ways. Mm -hmm. If you want to start with canning, I would go with, I'd actually go with a steam canner. I don't, I don't know if everyone else would agree with me on that, but I would start with a steam canner um, Mm -hmm. because they are relatively affordable and it's so much easier to can, I think compared to water bath canning, I don't really water bath can anymore. I just steam can because it uses less water and I can do smaller batches. I don't feel like I have to do a large batch. And so I would say, if you're looking into canning, a steam canner. Yep. It's a good place to start. Mm-hmm. And, and then, you can get, um, sorry, I was going to say the, you mentioned the, and the Dutch ovens. Yeah. Um, I've seen them at like Lidl, uh, not necessarily Aldi, but I know every once in a while Lidl will have one and they're very affordable, like $20, $25 for yeah. a nice enamel cast iron. Yeah. One of my favorite ones, I think, is a Rachel Ray, and it's probably uh-huh. 15 years old, <laughs> but it was also extremely affordable. So yeah, you're right. You do not. And you can go to like thrift stores and every now and then you can find some really good things that way too. Yeah, that's a good idea. <clears throat> the other, only other thing I was going to mention was fermenting. I think fermenting is also a really great place to kind of start with food preservation because it doesn't really require much of anything um, special or, you know, expensive tools. Mm-hmm. You just need some sort of canning like mason jars uh, with a ring and a piece of fabric and then something to weigh it down. I, I, you know, for the longest time, I would go use river rocks and find like really beautiful, smooth rocks and mm. bring them home and just really wash them and use that to weigh my solids down below the brine. But I think fermenting is another really great way just to kind of jump into something without having to put out a big expense. Yeah. What is that pineapple fermented drink that you 
Oh my goodness. I, I still have yet to make it, but I'm, I really want to. Tapache. Uh-huh. <laughs> Tapache. T-E-P-A-C-H-E. And I don't know if I'm saying that right, but, and I think I, d- I did make a video on that and oh my gosh, mm-hmm. it is the most, I cannot wait to make that again. <laughs> so good. And you make, and you make hot sauce every year, right? I do. I do. I make about, and this is going to sound ludicrous, but I probably make about a gallon and a half every year because I cannot get enough of it. (laughs) (laughs) Every morning, that's what I put on my eggs. (laughs) It's so good. So, you know, it really goes full circle. You grew the peppers, right? Yeah. You grow the peppers and then you process them in your kitchen and ferment them and then bottle it into jars. Correct. Well, yeah, yeah. I put it into like a Grolsch kind of style jar mm-hmm. um, and then put keep it in the refrigerator. Yeah. That's very cool. So it's amazing. I mean, it's, there are some learning processes with that, but you know, I mean, we, when you think about, when you step back and think about like going to the grocery store and you can go to the grocery store and buy some hot sauce, but the how fun and cool is it that you can grow some peppers in your yard in your in your garden and bring them in the house and do a few things and I've, I've watched your YouTube videos on on making hot sauce and it it honestly doesn't look very complicated. It's not. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, and then you know you have all the hot sauce you need for a yeah week. <clears throat> yeah. Even though I've been doing, you know, all of these kind of various things for, for a couple of years now, or or some things more than that, it never, it never like just underwhelms me. Right. I'm always like, oh my goodness, I love that I did this. It doesn't even matter that maybe I'd done it 10 times before. Right. Mm -hmm. I love it. The fact that even when I'm planning my garden, I think, okay, which peppers are the hottest? (laughs) which ones do I want to grow? Right. But thinking kind of what you just said, full circle, like also when people get into gardening, they just want everything so beautiful and that's okay too. There's so much beauty in the garden, but eventually over time you start thinking, okay, well, I want to grow the cucumbers, but which, what am I going to do with the cucumbers? Am I going to make pickles or am I going to make relish? Like what would be the best? Or maybe do I just want cucumber sandwiches? Like, so you start thinking about what the end goal is, which then determines kind of the varieties and the amounts of what you grow, which I think is really cool too. When you start thinking that way. Yeah. And it's, it's amazing how it, you know, it develops into, into that. And, and it's surprising about, you know, when people think of like, being self-sufficient on a homestead, you know, to be self-sufficient and, you know, in some things is it, it's impossible to be self-sufficient in everything. I think the definition of homesteading is self has something to do with being self-sufficient. And, you know, I mentioned this in another podcast, like I love, and I hate that term because no one can be fully 100% self-sufficient, but you can be more sufficient in things and so it's in it, you know, I, like I surprised myself this year, my first year of preserving, you know, being able to preserve the strawberries and make jam and the salsa and the pickles. And it's pretty, it's, 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 it's surprising the, how well you can do that just from a, you know, backyard garden. Right. Um, but also it's just, it's so empowering because 
I had the mindset of like, it is not possible to be self-sufficient. You, you know, you're always going to have to rely on all the grocery stores and things. And when I started getting into it, I realized it's actually more attainable than we think. It is. And yeah. it, it doesn't take this huge farm in this, in this huge garden or this huge amount of space. And it's, it's doable. I mean, the average American backyard, you could grow a very powerful garden. So much food. Absolutely. Right. I mean, and, and you, like you said, no one may be able to grow everything they need, yeah. but I like to think of the word, the, the term self-reliance too, because mm-hmm. you're, you're not necessarily saying you're entirely sufficient, but you are relying on your own skills, your own knowledge and your own abilities um, to some extent. And so for you, like your examples, you, you may, you know, laugh to, about the jam and the salsa and the pickles, but I mean, if you think about it, you haven't had to buy those, if not a full year yet, it'll, it will be a full year, right? The, those are literally yeah. three things that will never have to be purchased again. And, and again, I think there is so much power in that. Um, and being able to really understand what you need and, and what you can use and what maybe you can live without, right? We can't grow bananas, but yeah. do I need to go buy bananas every week? Probably not. No. <laughs> so thinking of it that way too. <laughs> my my five-year-old might disagree, but <laughs> <laughs> she's obsessed. So yeah, <laughs> until the day she's not, and then you have 10 bunches of bananas. Yes. And, and then I have to make banana muffins because right. they're all brown on the counter. Right. <laughs> it's feast or famine with kids and bananas. I don't it. It is. As soon as they love something and you have it in the house, then they don't love it anymore. Exactly. <laughs> for sure. Well, thank you so much for coming on and talking about this. And, and I think, you know, for someone like you, it's so awesome to hear from someone like you who has years of experience and so many different avenues of knowledge and to to break that down and make it as simple as you did tonight that that's just really really powerful I think people get overwhelmed or feel like they just can't jump into this or they're not capable and and really everyone is it's just a matter of you know taking things piece by piece exactly yeah Exactly. You, you bite the elephant one bite at a time, or you eat the elephant one bite at a time. So. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. I love Thank that you. phrase. So um, tell me your YouTube and Instagram again, so people can find you. Yep. Thank you. So the YouTube, I am the happy homestead. And so you can actually just do youtube.com slash the happy homestead. Um, on Instagram, it's the Happy Homestead NC, and the NC just stands for North Carolina. Um, but that's where that's where I do a lot of just kind of sharing um, and and trying to help inspire other people. I love it. Well, thank you because I've learned so much from you. Thank you. So I always end the podcast with a final question, and my question to you is: What advice do you have for women who want to do it all? Mm. Goodness. Well, let that go. <laughs> <laughs> That's the general consensus I keep getting. Yeah. We all want to do it. I think I think that kind of it's that's actually a really poignant question because I think 
the answers will differ depending upon um, the age and experience level of the people you're asking, right? Because when you're younger, you think you can. Yeah. Um, and as you get older and more wisdom comes into play, you realize you can't. But then more importantly, you realize you don't have to. So if you're, you know, if someone's not in that headspace yet, give it time (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) because you don't have to do it all and you shouldn't feel like you have to. I like it. Well, in, in, you know, taking things step by step and it's a journey versus a, um, you know, jump in head first and don't know what you're doing. So, yeah, yeah. I think that's really powerful for people to, you know, for women to recognize, because I think we all do have that drive to kind of want to do it all or to learn it all or. Absolutely. Yeah. And to take that step back and take it, eat the elephant one bite at a time. (laughs) You know, and, and set goals, like write down the goals and maybe like tackle one goal or two goals every year. I think, I think that's really uh, helpful too, in kind of understanding where you want to go, writing it down and, and making that plan. Yeah, for sure. That's great advice. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Well, thank, thank you, you for so having much. me. This is so amazing to, to be able to talk with you on this topic and, and, uh, even just hear your stories. So thank you <laughs> for having me. Yes. Thank you so much. And I really appreciate it. And I will talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Vital Life Podcast. I hope this podcast leaves you inspired to live a more vital, holistic life. Connect with me on Instagram at Dr. Sherry Rayleigh or Vitality Chiropractic NC.